passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another draft podcast on the Baseball America feed. I'm Carlos Colazzo, joined by Peter Flaherty. As always, we're approaching Thanksgiving. We got a fun episode today uh, that I'm really excited for. But how are you doing, Peter? I'm equally as excited for today's episode. I'm I'm very excited for Thanksgiving. I'm a huge like Thanksgiving football game into the parade, into the dog show guy. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to this week in general. But I. It might be an indictment on me and myself, but I spent way too much time planning for this pod, or not way too much time. I spent a lot of time like planning for this podcast, mm. particularly like the non-baseball portion. So I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I have like a spreadsheet here with all my rankings pulled up, making sure I have some backup options. If you if you steal a few of my categories on either the baseball side of things or the Thanksgiving side of things. So um, if you guys can tell by the title, uh, whatever we wind up titling this or, or a brief intro here, we're going to be doing some drafting today in honor of Thanksgiving. Uh, it is a draft podcast, so we are going to talk some draft players, um, and we wanted to shake things up a little bit. So I think we're going to be drafting the best tools in the 2024 class. This week, we're going to focus on the college class exclusively. Um, so we're splitting up the demographic. We'll do college this week and then high school at some point in the future. But we're essentially going to be drafting five tools for a hitter, a theoretical hitter that we're creating with with the best tools in the class, and then five tools with a pitcher. Um, after that, and I think we can probably save this for the end because I imagine most people will be more excited to hear about our, our takes on Thanksgiving dishes. But then we're going to draft Thanksgiving foods. Do you know how many you want to go with on that one? I was thinking five Thanksgiving um, items or foods. Um just to create like the best Thanksgiving meal that we can, but we can do more or less than that. If you think five is not the right number. I was going to say mentally I had five. So that sounds good. Okay, I'd plan for five. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep it lined up with everything. Five tools for the hitters, five tools for the pitchers, and then five tools for Thanksgiving. Quickly before we get into this, what is your 2080 grade on Thanksgiving? For me, it's, it's at least a 70. I mean, Christmas would be my 80, and so if Thanksgiving's not a 70, I don't know what else would get that. So it's a, it's an easy 70 grade for me. I I was gonna say we'll align. I'm a Christmas guy through and through. Like I milk the season. Um, I I'm I'm all about it. Christmas is an eight. Thanksgiving is this this grade might upset people depending on who's listening to it. I'll give it a 65. The food mm. is excellent. 
it's a good excuse to get together with family that you may have not seen in a while. And then also this year, it's closer to a seven just because I think that the overall sports slate is good between yeah. the Maui Invitational, three great football games. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. And then the Egg Bowl. So I'm, mm. it, it's a seven this year for me. Yeah, I was about to ask you what keeps it from being a seven, but you cleared that one up. I think Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. is Thanksgiving is one of the holidays that has consistently moved up the rankings. I think as when you're a kid, Christmas is obviously the most fun and you don't really care much about eating. But as you get older, the food becomes ever more important, uh, I think, on your personal rankings. So it's an easy seven for me. I especially like too that just like it starts to feel like the holidays are here for me once Thanksgiving rolls around. I'm not one of those people that starts putting up Christmas decorations around Thanksgiving, but post Thanksgiving I kind of give in to uh, to whatever Maddie wants to do on that front. And then I also feel like Thanksgiving is is typically a good uh, time for like good movies coming out. Like Napoleon is a movie that I'm really excited to see. I don't know if you're a big movie guy, but I think that's coming out right after Thanksgiving. And like always post post holidays, so like the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Christmas are always big movie days. At least in our household, I'm not a big shopper at all, so I'm trying to avoid the Black Friday shopping. Uh, at all costs but that's another nice element for thanksgiving for me i'm a huge like i can't say i'm a huge cinema guy like my last two movies that i've seen it's like maybe like the duality of cinema i saw creed 3 and then most recently with my girlfriend i saw the taylor swift movie so oh no those are my most two recent movies (laughs) that's uh but like the christmas season like i'm a it's just like, again, like similar to you and Maddie, me and my girlfriend name reveal probably coming soon. Um, <laughs> we like huge Christmas special people like Pillsbury cookies, like the whole nine. So mm. I'm fired up like to turn that leaf, turn that. Nice. All right. Well, Peter, I'm not sure if you had anything in mind to how we do this. Uh, initially, I thought we could draft for a hitter first and then I thought we could do pitcher first. But I feel like it might even be more interesting if, if we just like open the gates to every tool, all 10 for the players. And we can kind of strategically pick however we want and be like building our theoretical people, uh, our, our theoretical hitter and theoretical pitcher here at the same time. Do you have any... Do you have any thoughts on which direction we should head if we should make it ordered or if it should just be wide open? I like opening the floodgates and then going yeah. over who we have at the end. I think that would be fun. And it also adds a strategic element to it. Yes, I um, entirely agree. I like that as well. For the five tools, and this mm. this might throw a wrench in a – maybe not throw a wrench, but can we can we also do body type? Okay, yeah, that's a good one. So is body type for, for our hitter and for our pitcher, we'll do two body types? Yes. Okay. I, I hadn't had that one prepped, but I think I can easily come up with some. So I, I like that. I'll add it on my sheet here and start brainstorming. Um, I also need to brainstorm. Maybe we could leave body type out, but I don't know. I think maybe at the end we could throw a couple if we don't draft it. So, yeah, let's just let's save that one for the end. Um, but that's a good that's a good one as well. Um, so do you want to, I, I think the best way to do this is we coin flip to see who goes first and then we just alternate each each category. Let's do it. All right. So I'm doing Google's coin flip here. Um, there's really no way that you can know if I'm being honest. So you'll just have to trust me on this one, but you, oh, I'll, let you, I'll let you call it, Peter. Are you going heads or tails? Uh, tails never fails. All right. Tails never fails. And it is heads, unfortunately. <laughs> so I knew that was going to, I knew that's how it was going to work out. <laughs> I don't really love going first, actually, um, because I wanted to just see what you were going to do and then respond to that. 
I'm but curious think, to see get off the board. Yeah. So okay, I, I I think I have, and really quickly, if if you guys aren't aware of the, the tools that we're going to be going through here, uh, for a hitter, we're we're looking at hit tool, power tool, run tool, field, arm, and then for pitcher, we're doing fastball, slider, curveball, changeup, and then control and command as as one tool. Even though you can separate those, does that sound about about right? Yep, that's exactly what I had. Okay, and for, for a few things for power, did you do you think it's worth separating raw versus game, or you think just including both is fine? Because obviously, I have like a blend. I just have like raw power taking mm -hmm. into consideration both. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I was thinking mostly raw power because I just assumed like picking a different hit tool uh, would kind of negate some of the in-game power for some players, and then with fielding. I'm assuming if you take a catcher, you get them at catcher. You don't just get plus defense wherever they're playing, for instance, right? Right. So, like, the guys that I have, like, written down, don't I'm tell like, me your names. This, this player is going to be ideally playing that position. Okay, perfect. All right, so those are the ground rules. <clears throat> All is good to go here. All right, I think for my first one, I am going to head towards, and this is my strategic choice, and, and tell me if you think this was – foolhardy on my end i'm going to head towards control and command first oh because i feel like there are not a lot of great command artists in this class i like the depth of stuff that we have in a number of categories i'm really afraid of the control and command that i have available in, the, in this college class uh, i think i know where you're going so, so i'm heading to that direction there, there are two guys that i was debating between but i think i'm gonna go with uh, Grand Canyon right-handed pitcher Daniel Avidia. <laughs> Is that who you're thinking? You stole my guy. Let's go. All right. All right. So I've got, a, I've got a good we, one. We're definitely leaning towards the same two guys, but you stole my guy. Yeah, I'm curious to see who your guy is next, if that's the number two I had. I, I think my second guy was fairly obvious. I think Avidia has a, a really great reputation as a strike thrower. His first season with Grand Canyon, it was a 5.7% walk rate. His second season in 2023 is a 5.5% walk rate. I mean, that holds up with some of the better strike throwers in the classes tracking back years. I think um, just his reputation as a control and command sort of pitcher, it's just clearly his best tool at this point. Uh, if I can kind of get that as a foundational starting piece for my pitcher here, I think I'll wind up being quite happy. Uh, and so I'm going to like that, lock that one in. Daniel Avidia, control and command for for my theoretical pitcher. Uh, and it's up to you now. In any direction you want to go, Peter. I was going to say I like that pick. 38 career walks across 167 collegiate innings. The mm -hmm. track record as a strike throw is outstanding. Um, but I'm going to go on the other side of the baseball. I'm going to take the pure hit tool of JJ Weatherholt. Oh um, yeah. That was my number one for, for that category as well. For my money's worth. I think he's the best pure hitter in college baseball career. 381 hitter capped off by a unbelievable 449, 517, 787 season last year, 24 doubles and 16 home runs. 90% um, overall contact rate, including a 94% in zone contact rate. The barrel control is outstanding. Um, I think it's a strong 70 hit. And I think to to have that be the foundation of my hitter, I'm going to be very happy with that. Yeah, um, I debated on just taking the hit tool as well first, that if I didn't go control command, I think I would have taken J.J. Weatherholt with the first overall. 
I think you're right. Like there's another guy that I kind of debated, but I, I just think the overall contactability, the batting averages that he's put up, his approach at the plate is just phenomenal. So I, I think that's a really sharp pick. You've, you've already got a great starting point for your for your hitter here in JJ Weatherholt. All right. I, I think I'm going to move over to the hitting side as well. Um a couple that I'm debating on. I think this one is probably not the, it's not the easiest. I think there are a couple decent options, but I'm going to take the raw power of Jack Caglione here. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's phenomenal raw power. He was one of the, the best home run hitters a year ago. It was 30 plus home runs. It's power to all fields. It's easy double plus raw. You maybe could say he has a chance to, to get to true 80 grade power, the exit velocity data last year was phenomenal. It was 93.7 miles per hour on average. I think that's in line with like what Dylan Cruz was doing, what his 90th percentile marks, his top end marks were even better than that as a 113.3 mile per hour, 90th percentile mark. I just think if I can pair an elite hit tool with this sort of raw power, you have a pretty phenomenal and well-rounded offensive profile and for all the questions that I have about Jack offensively, Rob Power is certainly not one of those. So I'll feel confident getting one of college baseball's premier sluggers here for, for the impact department. I love it. I can't say I blame you again. He was one of my two options for the exact mm. reasons you cited. Um, yeah, I'm curious who your other guy is for that. It's also interesting, too, because I feel like there's absolutely no incentive for us to follow up on categories that have already been taken. <laughs> right, exactly. I think I'm going to probably, because my raw guy is still there, my power guy is still there, I'm going to head over to the pitching side. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a chess match, because you took command and control, mm. so I don't have to worry about that getting snatched off the board. Um, I could just well, I could just double up on command and control and forfeit a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was also struggling with a curve. Ooh, that's an interesting strategy. Okay, so I... That actually, all right. I'm going to go with a curveball then, and I'm going to take Thatcher Hurd's curveball. Ooh, okay. Uh, that Breaker. This is the first one. This is the first one where that was not my number one. So I'm very happy with this. But I will say, Hurd was one of two people that I was considering for curveball. Okay, interesting. So I mean, Lowe's Breaker, tons of tight spin, averages almost 3,000 RPM on the pitch, big time depth, um, gets a ton of swing and miss with it. I think it's a borderline 70 offering. And then as you alluded to in this discussion, I think in this year's draft class, in terms of true like banger curveballs, there aren't a ton out there. So I think that if you had snatched herd, um, my my next up would not have been as good. So I had to take it off the board. Interesting. Okay. No, I think it's it's clearly one of the two that I would have picked. I'm curious if you think that the one that I end up taking whenever I do get around a curveball, how, how close it is. If you think I'm stretching a little bit, cause it could be the case, but I was, I was doing some research, watching some video of this pitch, looking at the metrics and I, and I really like it. So I feel like it's got a chance to be maybe a little sneaky offering. I don't want, I think we're both of the same mind. We didn't want to all pick like top of the board players. Uh, I think as we keep going, we'll probably work down the board a little bit and maybe get to a few uh, interesting ones. So, like thinking about the board, you've gone hit, you've gone curveball, I've gone command, I've gone power. Looking at the other tools here, I, I feel like fielding is the one I want to prioritize. I feel like that might be an area, at least for me, where I thought there was a 
decent drop off. I would have been happy with either of my options, but I definitely preferred my number one player in this category. Um, and part of that is because of the positional element. And so I'm going to take for my fielding tool, um, Anthony Silva. Ooh. TCU shortstop Anthony Silva, I think probably the best defensive shortstop in the class or one of the best defensive shortstops in the class. It's silky smooth actions. It's highlight real plays. Um, he's been a sharp defender since his, his amateur days as a high schooler, um, just watching him this summer, seeing him play the position again. Like I really want to love him as a prospect because I like the gloves so much, but I have questions about the bat. Uh, I feel like pairing his defense here, at a premium position, you know I'm a sucker for shortstops in general. Um, my other player that I had in this in this fielding category, if, if you somehow went Silva before me, was was an outfielder. Um, so I'm curious if you have any other shortstops <laughs> or, or what position you go for. Um, but Silva's my guy. I think I'm locking in plus defense here at a, a really premium position. Thoughts on that one? I love the pick. I am. I was kind of banking on going the route of a different premium position and in the outfield spot. So I, I have a feeling that it's going to be the guy that yeah. um, you were thinking of. I, I all since since your other guy is an outfielder, I don't think I'll spoil anything by saying I thought about Caleb Lomavita, who I also know you like. Yep. And that one would have been basically just like a spoiler for Peter Pick. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm yeah. sticking with Silva. Uh, oh, man. I'm trying to think of where to go next. I could have – all right, I'm pretty confident in this one because I want to take this off the board, and it's a little bit vanilla. Mm. I'm going back to the pitching side, but I'm going to take Brody Breck's power slider. Serve. I knew – I figured you are going to go there. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, it's a high 80s, low 90s, like just demonic slurvy breaking ball tons of depth 53 percent miss rate in 2023 131 opponents batting average it's a 70 pitch through and through borderline eight um i think that it's the best of its type in this year's class right there with with another pitcher slider uh so i'm going to take it off the board i think having Hurd's curveball with breck's power slurve is it's a pretty lethal um breaking ball duo yeah, uh, if spin wins, then then you're certainly winning this one, uh, Peter. That Brody Brecht was my number one slider. I, I'm still intrigued by the the second slider that I have here. I'm curious who your your second guy was. There are two people that I thought about for that number two spot, um, but I guess we'll get to that in the future. All right, thinking thinking through our next ones here. Oh man, this is tricky. So we've got at least open slots for me. I still have to fill uh, fill my hit tool, run tool, arm for my position player. I need basically every pitch for my pitcher. I just have command and control. Okay, so I'm going to go for my fastball. Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to actually go for a tool that I don't really think is that valuable, but I feel like the tear break might be more significant. And I'm going to go fill the arm slot for my position player. Oh, no. All right. We're going <laughs> <laughs> to. And, and I think I'm going to take your guy because I'm going with Braden Montgomery's arm. Oh, yep. Um, former Stanford uh, two-way player, now at Texas A&M, right fielder and right-handed pitcher. I think that you've said in the past on this podcast, Peter, that it's a potentially an 80-grade arm. Um, just when thinking about this tool, I don't know that. I had another option that was at least in this tier uh, and the fact that he's a two-way guy and gets his fastball up into the upper nineties on the mound um, just kind of confirms what we know about 
the arm, I, I think this is probably the least important tool across the board, but in terms of just the gap between who I viewed as the top option here and number two is probably bigger than all the rest. Um, maybe this will be foolish. Maybe I should have saved the arm for last because I think the other tools are more important, but I feel like Braden Montgomery would have been your number one, and I want to I want to scoop him off the board before you can grab him. One, it was my number one, just as you mentioned. It's a borderline eight arm, um, and the gap, especially with where I'm going positionally, um, that gap between one and two is pretty big. So I, I think mm. that's a great pick. Um, let's see. So what do you have right now, and what do you need to fill? I've got for my hitter, I've or for my offensive guy, I've just got the pure hit tool of JJ Weatherholt. Mm. Um I'm gonna stick on the offensive side because I've I've gone pitcher heavy the last, I think, two or three picks. And I'm gonna okay. take the I'm trying to think because I raw power I'm fine, but I don't think you're gonna take anyone. I'll I'll go with the raw power of Blake Burke. Um oh, okay. Tennessee first baseman, uh, 30 career college home runs in 110 games. Um, last year, I believe his 90th exit was 107.2 with a peak of 115. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just watch him hit, I mean, he like he just flicks the ball out to all fields. It's very easy, double plus raw. For my money's worth, outside of Jack Caglione and and maybe a maybe a couple others at the top, but I'm, I'm really bullish on Burke's um, hmm. raw power and his ability to get into it in game. Um, so I'm going to couple that with Weatherhold's pure hit tool. Yeah, that's pretty impactful. I will say the, the number two player who I had here for raw power was Dakota Jordan. Oh, nice. I also wanted to like, as we've both said, I wanted to not keep it like super vanilla. I think it would have been easy to go with one of these guys up top, but mm. I didn't want to kind of box myself into strictly like top 15 guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just thinking about taking a couple more top 15 guys to run. No, 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 like, go for it. Go for it. I think I'm going to, I'm going to target more, more of my priority options on the position player side, just because, I'm gonna save hit tool for a while since you've already you've already got the best player in that category. I'm gonna go with run, and I don't feel really convicted in this one because I don't know that I feel like I'm missing the true burners in this class. And you might know some better runners here than me, um, but I just am more excited about this run tool. So I'm gonna take the run tool of Seaver King. Oh, nice. I think he's turned in pretty consistently double plus run times from home to first in line. I've heard really good things about him running around the center field this fall. Uh, so pairing that speed with with Anthony Silva, his defensive ability at shortstop, I feel like makes a pretty pretty impactful player. I mean, both of our players here we're going to have are, are all going to be littered with big tools. Is kind of the the whole point of the uh, the process, but. I honestly didn't think I had many other options that I felt as confident in, in the speed here. I don't know if the class is more down, like there's no Enrique Bradfield, at least that I'm aware of. Maybe Peter, you have one in your back pocket. <laughs> I was going to say Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Yeah. You're about to, you're probably about to make me look foolish, but I at least know that I'm getting a 70 runner with Zebra King. So I'll, I'll be happy with that. I was going to say there's no Bradfield. I, I don't think there's an 80 game breaking speed type of guy. Um, but my runners a not i think a pretty deep pull at this point um 
I, if I'm talking about him this much, I should probably just stick with the run tool. Um, I'm going to take the speed of Darian Pendergrass from College of Charleston. Um, yeah, is, you've, you've beaten me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a JUCO transfer from, I believe it's Spartanburg Methodist. Um, at Spartanburg Methodist in 96 career games, he was 75 of 77 in stolen base attempts. And then this past summer in the Coastal Plains League, for those who are unfamiliar, um, if the Cape League is the cream of the crop and North and the Northwoods League is kind of and the NECBL are kind of one B, there's an argument to be made that the Coastal Plain League is is right there in that top five sort of clustering of summer leagues. So it's quality competition. Um, and he was 35 of 40 in stolen base attempts in 32 games. Um, it's a legit 70 runner. He's turned in 80 grade run times. Um, his operation in the box is actually a little bit reminiscent of Enrique Bradfield. It's kind of that slap and dash slash and dash approach. Um, a very fun player in general. And I'm going to take his speed. I could have very well gone with Weatherholt speed actually, because he's a, mm. a borderline 70 grade runner in and of, in and of himself. But I think Pendergrass is, is an extremely fun player and, and getting his speed is, is a very exciting aspect to my player's game. Yeah, no, I, I think this is the first category where I feel like it's pretty solidly win in your direction. I mean, those are gaudy stolen base totals. Seaver King, on the other hand, he stole seven bags in 2022. He stole 13 bags in 2023. He's stolen at a very efficient rate, um, but he certainly hasn't stolen with the same sort of volume that Pendergrass has in his college career. So I got to hand it to you. That's a, that's a pretty good deep cut there. Um, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had Pendergrass regardless of when, uh, when I made the pick. So I'll, I'll have to just be happy with, just be happy with the fact that, that at least you have a, a really, a really speedy player over there, Peter. So, <laughs> I was going to save it till the end. Cause I like, I was very confident in that, not getting off. <laughs> okay. I am going to, all right. I'm going to keep things interesting. Neither of us have a fastball or a changeup. I could go there first and try and secure a tool, but I'm I'm gonna just complete my hitter so I can entirely focus on pitchers after this pick, and I also just want to keep things interesting on the on the pitching side. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just take Nick Kurtz's hit tool. Um, nice. Kurtz was was number two on my board. If I could have gotten Weatherholt, I would have taken him, but I'm perfectly happy just taking Kurtz second. I think the biggest maybe separator here between these two is just the pure contact ability that Weatherholt offers seems to be a bit better than Kurtz. I mean, he does have a little bit longer levers. I think his batting eye is, is just as good. It was only a 14.9% chase rate last year compared to Weatherholt's 18.4% chase rate. So maybe that's kind of the one edge that Kurtz has here. Um, I just think in terms of pure hitting ability though, Weatherholt be the guy you've seen it, what he's done at West Virginia, um, so to sum up my position player here, my hitter, I've got a a shortstop with Anthony Silva's defense, Braden Montgomery's arm strength, Seaver King's running ability, Nick Kurtz's pure hitting ability with Jock Caglione's raw power. Um, so I feel pretty good about that player. Uh, but now I, I really got to get my uh, I really got to get my pitching sorted out after this. I was gonna say that's a damn good short. That's a one-one type shortstop um that's I, I it might be tough for me to beat it um okay let's see here i like that route of kind of like getting rid of the the position players so to speak mm, yeah. so i'm gonna go with the arm of carson benge from oklahoma state Ooh, okay 
Um, another one that you might, the listeners might not have thought of right off the bat is someone with um, a big time arm, but he's got a comfortably plus arm from right field. It's not the Montgomery 80 grade type, but it's certainly a strong six. He's also up to 93 on the mound. Um, I'll take that arm any day of the week where my guy is going to be a center fielder. So um, I'll take Benj's arm strength. Yeah. One of the interesting things to think about too, is uh, I'm not sure that like how we're, how we're putting the tools on these theoretical players, but Brandon Montgomery has an outfield arm on a shortstop. Maybe that doesn't translate as good as if I had taken an outfielder and put an outfield arm, maybe doesn't have the arm action for shortstop. Maybe it's a long exchange at the position. Who knows? (laughs) I think we're getting very nuanced at that. (laughs) And I think we're just, we'll just be going in circles. Yeah. All right, so I'm moving over to pitcher now. I have to fill all of my pitch types. Um, I'm going to go with fastball because this is the one that I was maybe most excited about, and I was I was kind of just waiting to see if you were going to take a player who maybe has more velocity, um, but I'm kind of worried about you taking this player just in general. So I'm going to take the fastball of Wake Forest right-hander, Michael Massey. Oh, nice. So Michael Massey is definitely not the hardest throwing fastball of, of players I could have taken. He averaged just over 94 miles per hour last spring, sits in that 94, 95 mile per hour range, gets up to 97. But I really just love the movement traits of this pitch. I love the way he hides it. Again, as we get into these pitch mixes, like you can't get the deception of Massey if you're you're getting the how a breaking ball plays for another player. So we don't need to go too in-depth, but just 20 inches of induced vertical break, a 41% miss rate on that pitch a year ago with Wake Forest, which is just insane in a 30% chase rate. His results on the pitch, the life, the ability to get chase up in, up out of the zone, at the top of the zone, I think it's more than enough velocity. And if I can pair that sort of life and, and effectiveness of the pitch with a guy like Daniel Ovidia's command, I feel like it's a great starting point to, to setting up all the other stuff I'm going to have with this pitcher. So I'll take Massey's, Massey's heater. That's a great pick. I love going the route of Massey, too, and the suspense of saying Wake Forest right-hander because I had a feeling it was going to be Massey, but, mm. um, oh, that's a great pick. Um, he was one of my guys, too. Uh, was he your top fastball? He wasn't my top, actually. Okay. I was. I, this was not – again, I was kind of going towards, like, again, not – maybe who people were thinking of. I'll tell you my number two after in this picture, there was a number of categories I considered him for and I didn't expect to. So once you take your fastball, I'll let you know who I had number two. Okay. Very interesting. I'm going to take the fastball of Tyson neighbors from Mm, Kansas state. Nice. Nice. Yeah. um, Again, thunderous velo average, I think 94.3 miles an hour on the pitch. It's been up to 99. Um, Ridiculous ride and carry through the zone he'll spin it he averaged i think over 2500 rpms on the pitch Mm. and it averaged also nearly 21 inches of induced vertical break so there's tons of carry on it um the metrics are outstanding um it's a again it's close to a 70 grade heater so if i can get the the fastball of neighbors and the secondaries of thatcher Hurd and brody brecht Mm. combined with the command and control of who I'm going to pick. I'm very excited about my, about my arm. Yeah. You have some, some really loud stuff here. I'm going to stick with um, your guy, Tyson neighbors, and I'm going to select him for slider. Nice. Um, I also considered Michael Massey's slider. So the fact that we picked both these guys for fastball 
and I was considering both for slider, I think just speaks to how impressive their pure stuff is when looking at the sliders. Uh, like I, I think there are a number of interesting sliders in this class, just the effectiveness of the pitch, the pure spin on the pitch. Um, it sits in the mid eighties. It's in the 2,700 plus RPM range in terms of raw spin. He generated a 59% whiff rate on the pitch, a 43% chase rate. Um, I, I think like the opposing the results against the pitch were also absurd. I was looking at some of the better sliders in the class. This is for neighbors just last spring, um, 244 pitches opposing batters hit just 78, 119, 125, good for a 244 OPS against it. Um, so again, we're taking relievers. You can maybe stretch this thought process out and say, oh, it's, it won't play quite as well if you're making this pitcher a starter. But I'm just going off the data we have. And for neighbors, I thought it was pretty loud overall. So I'll take his slider. Uh, and then I have curveball and changeup uh, still to fill up here. I love it. I'm going to go and stick on the pitching side and... I'll probably take who your number two was for command and control. And I'm going to take um, the command and control of Wake Forest left-hander Josh Hartle. Yeah, that was um, my guy. <laughs> again, just an outstanding outstanding track record of strike throwing, um, 48 walks in 172 career collegiate innings, um, no walks in 17 innings on the Cape in the summer of 2022, uh, just fills up the strike zone. So, I'm gonna. I think that the arsenal that I've built and constructed is is just gonna become that much more lethal with Hartle's strike throwing ability. Yeah, that's a good one. I think those are the two kind of clear top guys for me in the control and command department. So I'm happy that you uh, you took that one. I'm going to instead of going change up, you've taken a curveball. I think I'm gonna take my curveball here. Um, let me actually pull it up here so I have the the data, but. This was a curveball that I think it's not a, a shocking pick, um, but maybe it is. It's there are some other options that maybe you could consider, but I think there it's easier to find good sliders than good curveballs in this draft class. I'm gonna go with the curveball of Eli Jerzenbeck. Oh, nice! This pitch has a ton of depth, a ton of spin. It got a 41% miss rate last spring, just a 24% chase rate, but it's a high usage pitch for him. Uh, I really love the shape of it. It disappears under bats. It's got nice two-plane break at times. Uh, last year, let me see right here. Yeah, it was a three. It averaged three thousand RPMs, eighteen inches of horizontal break, nine inches of vertical break. It's just a ton of movement, ton of spin. I think pairing that with the command of Daniel Avidia and a fastball with a north profile that the Michael Massey and your guy Tyson Neighbors too. Both those sort of in quality fastballs a compliment with it. I'll go with Jerzenbeck here. Uh, that's a great pick. Um, okay, and looking at what I've got left, I have so you. Fielder, you still have to feel fielding and change up, right? Change up. I'm gonna. I'll bang out the position player, and I'll take. Again, this is probably who you hinted at. I'm gonna take the fielding ability of Vance Honeycutt, North yeah. Carolina center fielder. Um, again, just an outstanding athlete in center field. Covers plenty of ground in either gap. Mm. Um, comfortable coming in and going back on the baseball and a knack for for making the big time play in a big time moment. So um, getting his glove and having this archetype of a player in center field, I think is a, a very um, fun type of player. 
Yeah, absolutely. He makes a ton of highlight real plays, like tracking back and leaping into the wall. Like it's very athletic, very instinctual defender. I like that pick quite a bit. I'm a bit mad that you didn't take a change up because I wanted you to hopefully make this pick easier for me. Um, <laughs> but we're down to our final category. Both of us have to fill the change up spots here. I'm just I'm gonna so take... confident in who I have. Like <laughs> not like who I have in terms like I you're not gonna take who I have. Okay, good Good to know. I thought about some under-the-radar types. Um, there's an Ivy Leaguer that I think maybe we both could consider <laughs> for this this spot, and maybe that's the guy that you have in mind. I'm not going to take him. Okay. Um, I'm going to take Drew Beam. Maybe this is a little bit boring, uh, but the fact that he's used the pitch pretty consistently over the last two years and pitched a decent amount was kind of the separator for me. My other option, I think it's got a chance to be better, and it's from a left-handed pitcher, and that's typically – I typically like those change-ups more. Um, but I'll go with Drew Beam. He used it 12% of the time last spring. It's a firm change-up, mid to upper 80s, got a 35% miss rate last year, opposing hitters against that pitch. Um, and this is just going off his 2023 season – uh, they hit 174, 208, 196, so that's a 404 OPS. So good results against it. I don't think it is a Rhett Lauder or Hurston Waldrop caliber changeup, but I think it's fairly solid. Um, and in lieu of stealing your Ivy League guy, I'm happy with Drew Beam. Oh, man. Uh, well, I, I really like the pick of Beam. And then, too, I was talking a huge game for – and then you pulled out the uh, you pulled that out, so I I should have been as confident. But um, I'm going to take what I thought was a huge sleeper um, and take Sean Matson's cur- excuse me take Sean Matson's changeup right-handed pitcher out of Harvard um, was excellent this summer was the best reliever in the Cape League. It's a mid 70s pitch, um, but he throws it with conviction. Again, we're not really taking and talking deliveries, but um, it's got a ton of late tumbling action. It almost it approaches the plate. It almost looks like it's in slow motion. Uh, it's an extremely effective offering. And I think that having my hypothetical pitcher rip off a 75 to 77 mile an hour changeup after elevating with a 98 to 99 mile an hour Tyson yeah. fastball, it's going to make for a pretty uncomfortable look. So I'm going to take Sean Matson's changeup. That's a phenomenal pick. And I will say Sean Matson is the brother of Aaron. Oh, Matson, yes. who I'm is... so glad you touched on that. Yeah, who is a North Carolina field hockey legend. She won four field hockey championships as a player, then immediately became the head coach, and she recently won her first field hockey championship as a coach. So potentially one of the greatest athletes of all time at UNC, and her brother is uh, Sean Matson, who has a pretty good changeup in his own right. So. <laughs> I was going to say, not as like another aside, but the story of Aaron Matson might be the best one right now in sports. Just the fact, again, is – the career that yeah. she had, and then she immediately took the keys to an absolute powerhouse and mm-hmm. won a national title. Yeah, pretty well, awesome. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you were able to take the Tar Heel connection there. It makes me <laughs> just feel nice and warm inside. So yeah, right, so a quick, cool. A quick recap of our players here. Um, my hitter has Nick Kurtz hitting ability, Jack Taglion's raw power, Seaver King's speed, Anthony Silva's defensive ability, Brayden Montgomery's arm strength. Peter, your hitter has JJ Weatherholt's hitting ability. Blake Burke's raw power, Darian Pendergrass's speed, Vance Honeycutt's fielding ability, and Carson Benj's arm. My pitcher has Michael Massey's fastball, Tyson Neighbors' slider, Eli Jerzenbeck's curveball, Drew Beam's changeup, and Daniel Avidia's control. And your pitcher has Tyson Neighbors' fastball, Brody Breck's slider, 
Thatcher Hurd's curveball, Sean Matz's changeup, and Josh Hartle's command. Um, I think any of these players would be a pretty good 1-1 candidate in this class, don't you think? I was going to say, all four of these created players, I might have to try, <laughs> I might have to hop on like MLB The Show and try and mm. replicate one of these guys, but yeah. uh, I think all four of these players would be entrenched in the in the 1-1 discussion. I think this would make for a fun uh, Twitter poll on the BA account. It'd be, yeah, we'll make that happen. Fun. We should also... I'm going to run through the... So I had five players who I had in consideration for my categories that didn't make the cut. I'm curious who your leftovers were as well. I think I already mentioned Dakota Jordan was my number two for power. He, he was not taken the other runner I had, and this might be a, a poor pick too, because it's kind of a top of the board guy who just runs well. It's Travis Bazana, uninspired choice by me um, for arm after Brady Montgomery. I had Jack Caglione. That was kind of cheating. Just given oh. his, given his heater on the mound. So that was kind of my wild card pick there. Uh, my number two fastball after Massey was actually Ben Hess. And I also considered him for changeup and I believe one of the breaking balls, but ultimately didn't have him. Uh, my second changeup after Drew Beam was Jonathan Santucci, um, but just lack of innings kind of steered me towards Beam. Those are awesome leftovers. Um, man, those are actually a lot of really good picks. I'll go through mine. I, I took some of mine off for pure hit tool. It was Weatherhole or Bazana, two guys, like, again, pretty vanilla up there at the top. Mm. Raw power. I only had two listed. I had Caglione and Burke. I figured yep. that you were going to take one of the two, but I think other guys that obviously would have played really well up there would have been Charlie Condon, Tommy White, um, Nick Kurtz even. Yeah. Um, Tommy White probably. would have been my third one, I guess. Yeah, even Dakota Jordan. Um, that, was, that was another really good play by you. And then – arm wise it was really for me like the two big time like bazooka arms um it was it was montgomery and benj for me and then if mm. i was like really gonna like throw a, a little bit of a curveball and go with a catcher maybe like jacob cozart <clears throat> yeah um and then speed wise i was i was really just relying on you not taking pendergrass <laughs> yeah you were you're safe on that one uh if you had taken pendergrass again maybe like rodney green um bazan is a great one That's mike sorota weatherholt there's some good runners up at the top mm. yeah and i never even considered weatherholt just because I, I i'm used to him just kind of limping out of the box with his hammy injury but he is a good runner i need to keep reminding myself <laughs> yeah when healthy he's a he's an outstanding runner and then um let's see for fastball i again i kind of wanted to keep it super fun up at the top there were obvious ones with chase burns brody brack Jack yeah i didn't i didn't want to take either of those guys just because they seemed like the obvious ones to take right same here so i had tyson neighbors and fran o'shell um Ooh, O'Shell, a little bit similar metrically or not metrically i guess like numbers wise to massey where in 2023 i think it was a 40 40 41 miss rate on it um it's an invisible type pitch um command and control my other one was danny avidia uh curveball my other one was actually brady tiger from that's Arkansas. a good one that's a really good uh, one i didn't have him down i should have had him down that was a really good one yeah very relievery look for my guy but again tiger it's a hammer breaking ball yeah um tons of sharp break to it All and right. let's and see I've, who else you had you had you have slider and change up do you have backups for those slider oh 
I think you got clearly the best one in the class. I I went pretty vanilla with Brax. I was also, again, Mm. like considering Burns as I didn't want to take either of those two guys. Uh, Tyson Neighbors was in consideration. Mm. Um, Matt Agers was also in there from UC Santa Barbara. Again, would have been a little bit of that non-vanilla pick. And then with a changeup, I was just very confident in – and you not taking Sean Matson, even though it was clear that you were right there and close to taking him. Yeah. I also had Ben Hess in a couple of these categories. Yeah. Um, for for that. And then a sleeper for for fielding. Um, if I wanted to go really rogue, I was gonna take Will Turner from South Alabama. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one too. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, yeah, you guys let us know which of these which of these players you're most excited about. If you had any other tools that maybe we didn't mention that you think could have been deserving candidates, this is a fun activity to go through. Uh, and then speaking of the leftovers uh, that we have here, I think it's time to turn towards our our Thanksgiving draft. And I think, Peter, it's only fair for you to go first here since I got to go first <laughs> on our players. Uh, do we have any constraints here, or is it just you get five items, make the best Thanksgiving meal that you can? How how are we doing it? In my mind, in like going through this, I was thinking like there aren't like a ton of constraints, but mm-hmm. like I like I can't go as unique to say like oh like my aunt's like vanilla bunt cake that she like <laughs> it has to be something that like there's a decent chance that you see yeah. your spread. But you didn't you didn't want to limit to you need this many sides, you need a dessert, you need a meat, you need a drink, just just wide open. You you get to make your meal how you want it. Yes, I was I was just okay. gonna go like with with five and try and balance it decently. Um, okay, cool. All right, well, it, it's your pick. You you go do do your thing. <laughs> one one, this was an easy one for me. I'm going mashed potatoes. Oh, that was uh, my one one as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a solid like innings eater. Like it it's so reliable year in and year out. I love the ones that have like no. I'm a picky eater. So I like the ones that are just like super smooth and thick, like yeah. no chunks of potatoes in them. I think they're like they're just like out of the box, but I love them. You like I, the you like the microwave smooth mashed potatoes? Literally, I, they, it plays. And <laughs> no, I'll just, Peter, I'll just I, I like, will say I love mashed potatoes of any variety, so I'm not knocking you for this. But I do think that wide, widening your horizons a bit and getting some more texture in there won't hurt you. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> I'll have to expand my horizons a little bit, but again, I'll just like, I'll kind of like put the bottom of the spoon down, put some gravy in there. And mm. I mean, it's, it, I, I love it. So I'll take the mashed potatoes one, one. Yeah. I think that's the one, one I would have taken if I was in your spot. So nice pick. I, I think I have to follow up now with Mac and cheese. Uh, oh, nice. I, I feel like mashed potatoes and Mac and cheese are the two most just, just warming sides that you can get at Thanksgiving. I feel like, especially for mashed potatoes, but maybe mac and cheese too. If you don't have these for Thanksgiving, it doesn't really feel like Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. And the sides are obviously the priority for Thanksgiving. So I'm going to go with what I believe is another tier one side option um, and go with mac, mac and cheese. And similar to mashed potatoes, I don't really have a preference in the style. I love a good baked mac cheese, mac and cheese that has kind of the, uh, the crispy cheese on top, but I don't mind any, any sort of variety you have to offer. I'll, I'll take whatever you got. Yeah, baked with breadcrumbs is um, mm. that's top notch. Are, are, we're assuming turkey is a default, right? I don't are know. We dr- are we? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I have a backup meat. Um, yeah. yeah, we're not. I don't think we're assuming it. Uh, all right, then I'll take turkey. Like, okay. it's Thanksgiving. Turkey's turkey. Like, I'm not yeah. like a 
like I'm not going to freak out for Turkey, but I've just <laughs> always equated Thanksgiving with Turkey as I assume mm-hmm. everyone else has. Um, I'm, I, my family, I don't think has the culinary expertise to do like one of the like mm-hmm. fried or like Cajun style turkeys that I see on TikTok, which yep. I think would be very fun, but um, I'll just douse it in some gravy and some mashed potatoes and it's and it, and it plays. It's a, I'd say it's a, a 50 solid average. Well, I'm a bit sad that you had to feel obligated to take a 50 for your number two pick. Here because <laughs> I pretty much agree entirely with what you said about Turkey. I'm going to go, I'm going to take an off the board pick here for me. There's another one that, that I would have, I'm basically praying that you don't take it next. And I think that, I think it's specific enough that you won't, but I'm <laughs> going to take stuffing and or dressing number two. Oh, I, I don't nice. really care what you call it. I like I like all the varieties. I like the dry stuffing. I like the more wet dressing. Um, I think the the actual side is mostly called dressing, at least in the South. Um, but I've had so many good and and different styles of dressing, and I think it's probably my like after mashed potatoes and mac and cheese, it's my favorite side of the day. And it is also another it's another item that is like exclusively Thanksgiving. Like I'm not eating stuffing or dressing any other time of the year. Um, so it just very much feels like Thanksgiving and I'm very happy with it in the number two spot here. That's a good pick. And I like the, you mentioned it being exclusive to the day. I think that's a very underrated aspect of it. Like no mm. one's like, I'm not like ripping stuffing on like the, <laughs> a, a January on a, a Sunday in NFL. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll go, I've got mashed potatoes and Turkey. It's a very solid foundation for mm-hmm. my side. I'm a big like Pillsbury Crescent Roll guy. Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, my mom will usually bake like, I don't know, a couple dozen or so. Mm. I can, I'm usually good for like, like five of them. So uh, I don't know. They're just like very warm and soft, kind of a biscuity. Everyone's had Pillsbury Crescent Rolls, I think. So um, like them a lot. That, that's a good pick. You you have got the absolute staples of a solid Thanksgiving meal here. I'm going to follow your lead, and I'm going to go with the absolute Southern staple of yeast rolls, and specifically Ooh, nice. Sister Schubert's yeast rolls. If you guys know Sister Schubert's, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They are the best. They're very easy. Um, they're consistent. They're delicious. Like you said, you're going to have five crescent rolls. I might have 10 of these yeast rolls if I'm allowed <laughs> just on the side with butter plain by themselves with some, with some mashed potatoes, with some Turkey, although I don't have Turkey. Um, so maybe I need to get a meat over here. Cause as of right now, I'm completely carb loading, which is fine, but I'm very happy to get yeast rolls. This was the one that I had as actually my number three overall side. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to get it here. I don't, is this a, are you guys sister Schubert's up where you're at Peter? Is that something you're familiar with? I, I was going to say, I've never heard of it. So mm. I feel like I might need to like ship yeah. express ship some somehow. Yeah, you guys or... need to try it and let, and let me know how it compares to the Crescent Rolls. Yeah. And how you're talking about it has me super fired up and has yeah, me think I'm going to like them a lot better. You basically the... get them, get them hot and then just take a stick of butter and like, like you're doing a crayon on top of them and just butter <laughs> the entire awesome. pan. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, all right. I'm going to take a dessert. This is my favorite dessert. I I really equate it with like Thanksgiving and the holidays. I don't really have it at any other time of year, especially like the spring, the warmer months. Mm. I'm gonna take apple crisp, not Ooh. apple pie. I'm gonna take apple crisp. And so does that mean apple pie is still on the table? Yes. Yes. Okay, d- differentiate them for me too. 
Okay, so apple crisp as opposed to a pie, it's almost like a, a it looks almost like a cobbler. And I think that there are, there are less like chunks of apple. You can kind of see a theme here with what I'm picking. Mm. Um, it's more of like a pureed yeah. apple with like you want one texture in your food. That's you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's like there's brown sugar, like crumble on top. Um, it's it's really really good. It's almost just like an apple. Um, uh, an apple cobbler yeah. um but i am a big apple crisp and vanilla ice cream guy to yeah to wrap up the evening that's a lethal combo and i think we can give you the vanilla ice cream to go with it as well that doesn't seem like a <laughs> okay so. perfect nice one all right well I, I feel like i need to get a meat here it's all sides and bread for me so far so i'm just going to take the only other realistic meat option for thanksgiving and that's ham when i was a kid i think i preferred ham to turkey uh it was just sweeter it was not as dry as often so it's fine. It is what it is. It's it's kind of this like fringy, fringy solid average roll, I guess, depending on on how you guys do your ham for Thanksgiving. Maybe it could be a little better, but I basically just need some protein. Um, and you took you took the best protein of the day. So I just had to fall back on ham and just make sure <laughs> we're getting getting something uh, that's not a side in my meal. So I will very boringly take ham with my fourth pick. Well, there were there were only really two choices for meats, unless yeah. we're really really rogue. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if I can do like chicken breast here. I don't think that really counts. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm taking like I can't believe it's lasted this long to get to me. I'm taking gravy. Mm, um, yeah. It, or, or can we take gravy? Like, is that included with all of our oh, stuff? Oh, I had or, that on I had that on my sides list for sure. Okay, perfect. So I'm gonna take gravy. Um, I just it's it adds it almost makes the meal it's similar to like cane sauce making mm -hmm. canes like gravy makes all of these foods play so much up so far up yep. um it'll turn my turkey from a five to a six yeah it's like it's like gravy is like your high iq player right it just yes maximizes gravy's an advanced baseball set <laughs> and, and i'm taking it right here at five okay i'm very happy with my meal that's a great meal so to recap yours you have mashed potatoes turkey uh, Pillsbury Crescent Rolls, apple crisp with vanilla ice cream and gravy. That's, yes. that's good. Okay, I'm going to pivot. Uh, initially, I was going to take apple pie here with my fifth. Um, since you left that kind of on the table with the apple crisp versus apple pie separator, I think apple pie is also my favorite dessert on Thanksgiving. I, I prefer it to like a pumpkin pie or a sweet potato pie. But I think ultimately, I like Thanksgiving for the sides. And there's still some good ones here. And I'm gonna take green bean casserole to Ooh, get a little color, pick. to get a little color on my plate. Get a vegetable. I don't know that anyone would confuse it for being healthy, um, but it's just going to mix up the flavor profile of my meal here, um, and and just add something different. Uh, and I think after you get past like mashed potatoes and mac and cheese stuffing for me, green bean casserole was the next side that I was most excited about. And I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm less of a sweet tooth guy on Thanksgiving. And so I acknowledge that your meal has something that mine's just not going to offer, but I want to double down on my sides here. Um, and I'll take green bean casserole. I will say the main weakness to mine is it's very sweet. Even the crescent rolls are a little sweet. Um, mm. The cat, that's a great pick at five. It's a savory option. Very warm. Yeah. I love that. Pick. Okay. So those are our meals. Again, you guys can let us know whose you would prefer if we if we left any obvious 
items off the table. What was what was the one that you couldn't take that you were most maybe disappointed that you that you couldn't get? I was debating between like similar in the gravy category. I was down to that and like very specifically the canned cranberry sauce, like ocean spray, the one that yes. like comes out with the can rings on it. Yes, that, it that is exactly what my next one would be. Like, <laughs> I just felt like it was too much of a random, like I, there were some other staples I would rather have, but cranberry sauce is also another item. I feel like that just makes everything else pop. It just kind of cleanses your palate, makes everything else taste a little bit better. And it's another item that's just, you're only eating that at Thanksgiving. You're not breaking out cranberry sauce in March. So that <laughs> exactly. and then sweet tea was also Ooh, a drink nice. option that I, I didn't want to waste a pick on a drink. But if I did any drink, it would be sweet tea. That's a good drink choice. Yeah, it was close to taking the, that type of cranberry sauce. And then I was like, wait, like I can, I might still be able to take gravy. Yeah. Um, and so I snagged gravy for a drink. If I had to take one, probably go apple cider. It's not exclusive yeah. to the holiday. It's just kind of a fall drink. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. And I'm a like an ice cold glass of cider. It's it's very, very delicious. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our meals. Um, I don't really have much to add, Peter. This was a blast to do. Drafting is always fun. We'll have to come up with uh, different things to draft in the future. But um, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say around the holidays, we'll have uh, we'll probably have a we'll we'll have to do like a Christmas themed mm. um, Christmas New Year's themed episode before heading into that break where we draft we have, where we have like a similar snake draft. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could tie it into our high school best tools there. <laughs> yes. Our our New Year's resolutions with our our high school picks or yeah, something we can find something else to do, but yeah, this was a blast. Um, on the, on the BA front, do you have anything you want to tease for the listeners? Yeah. I, in the next week or two week to 10 days, um, similar to the top 10 impact freshmen that I put out. Um, I'm probably going to do maybe something along the lines of, of impact transfers or just like a, a, a 10 young assistant coaches who are really young and, and up and coming mm. in, in college baseball. And then obviously as the handbook season continues to roll around, uh, roll along, um, going to continue to roll out um, Marlins content on that side. So nice. Um, plenty of, plenty of stuff to come. Yeah. And as you, if you guys are listening to this podcast, I guess the week of Thanksgiving, we're still running a deal at Baseball America. You can get 30% off any digital subscription if you use the code BA30 on the website. Uh, if you just go to BaseballAmerica.com and, and go to subscribe, I think that deal will be prompted. If you do that before Cyber Monday is over, I think you have access to that. So definitely check that out. If you've been listening to the podcast, if you've been thinking about getting a BA subscription, now would be a really great time to do that. We don't we don't often do deals, and now is prospect season, so there are top 10s coming out every day a lot of peter's good college coverage teddy on the college side uh we've got a 2024 draft update coming up very shortly after thanksgiving so there's just a lot of content on the site that you might be interested in so definitely take advantage of that deal um while you guys can um but otherwise yeah hope you all have a great thanksgiving uh hope you're not limited to just five items at thanksgiving (laughs) like we were on this pod Uh, and thank you guys for listening thanks for hanging out and we will see you next time after the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.